Well, I'm glad you're here as we kick off this next few weeks where we're going to be spending our time together um, in the Old Testament. Yes, it's OT time. And if you heard the voice from above a little bit ago, you, you heard that we start off with a doozy of a story. And what we heard in that earlier scripture reading from Genesis chapter 50 is a scene that has repeated itself over and over and over and over again in the lives of people all over the world. And it's a story that will never go away until Jesus himself comes back again someday. But before we get into that, I invite you to pray with me. Most gracious God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for all the words that you have given to us, not only those words in the New Testament, but those words in the Old Testament as well, as they each teach truth and love, mercy and grace into our hearts. And so, Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit be upon this place today, that my words may be your words, and the words that are spoken here may resonate in the hearts and minds of these, your children, that they may see love and forgiveness comes from you and then goes out to others. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you want to follow along in a Bible or on your phone in a Bible app, um, we're going to be in Genesis 50 for the majority of our time. And if you look at Genesis 50, you see this scene that has played out over time. Wrongs long ago committed. Wrongs long since endured, but never forgotten. And then these wrongs return once again to rear their ugly heads. You see, here in in Genesis, you have the favor of of one son over the others by a father. And this has bred envy and animosity and bitterness in the hearts of the siblings. Moses tells us in Genesis 37, he says, When Joseph's brothers saw that their father loved him more than all the other brothers, they hated him. They hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. What happens next is what happens when left unchecked, envy, animosity, and bitterness, they begin to grow and they begin to grow and they begin to grow. Thank you, buddy. You can take that back to your mom. It's a good job. And as this stuff grows within our hearts, it leads to a desire for revenge. And the desire for revenge grows and reveals itself eventually in sinful actions. In our OT time today, we recall the hatred in the hearts of Joseph's brothers. And how it leads to the betrayal of Joseph, to his enslavement, to his imprisonment in a strange land. And being sent far away from family and friends. And you see, that's the thing about sin. The effect of sin knows no boundaries. It knows no boundary of relationships. The sin of Joseph's brothers doesn't limit itself just to the sin of brother against brother, does it? It also extends to the larger family. Through deceit and the lies born of the cover-up. Moses writes... Then the brothers took Joseph's robe, they slaughtered a goat, and they dipped the robe in the blood. And then they sent that robe of many colors 
back to their father. They brought it to him and said, this we have found. Please identify it. Please identify whether it's your son's robe or not. So now father is left grieving the loss of a son. Years have gone by. And as we pick up this text again, Jacob, father, has now died. And the brothers that have done this harm to Joseph so long ago, they fear payback for their sins. And now without the shield and protection of their father around to hold off Joseph's potential anger, the brothers fear that he will finally repay them for what they did to him. The brothers' unforgiven sin had day by day grown and festered and grown deeper into the hearts and minds and made them become more and more uncomfortable. But it's not just Joseph and his amazing Technicolor dream coat. It's not just brothers of Joseph, is it, right? It's in our lives. There's the hostility that quietly grows in our lives between brothers and sisters. The smart mouth remarks that are made with sometimes some truth set into those jokes. And the family laughs, but everybody knows better. Because deep down there relies an unresolved grievance against brother or sister, mom or dad, against grandma or grandpa, aunt or uncle. And oh yeah, don't forget about that grievance against mom or dad's favorite son or daughter. You know the one in your family who hasn't heard or who hasn't been a participant in the meltdown of the family. There are arguments over wedding plans. These things I've seen, okay? All these things I've witnessed. There are arguments over wedding plans, anniversary and birthday gatherings. There's fights over funeral arrangements and wills. There's intense debates and arguments and hurt over the division of property from the family business or a parent's estate. And there's the sibling who manipulates circumstances for his or her own benefit. And on top of all this, we can't forget the plain, pure human meanness and indifference and selfishness and self-centeredness that resides in all of us. Or... How about the discussions? I'll put that in quotes. How about the discussions between husband and wife about finances and going to church and how to raise the children? And some can even throw in there the in-laws or the outlaws, whatever you want to call them. And then there are the glances, the sharp remarks, the flippant responses. And sometimes it gets even to the lying, the cheating, and the emotional and physical abuse and abandonment. You know, the unforgiven sin that day by day by day grows more and more uncomfortable. Yet one often determines to live with it until it no longer becomes bearable. And Joseph's brothers in our text, that's where we get to. The day has arrived when the sorrow and the repentance for the wrongs they committed long ago 
and the long and the wrongs long since endured but have never been forgotten, it's no longer bearable. Some may call it a guilty conscience. But what is it in reality? It's God. It's his word. It's his law working on hearts. It's God working in them and on them, which means it's also then God's law and God's word working in us and on us. Here it happens there in Genesis 50, verse 15. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. I didn't catch this really. I probably did before, but I didn't really catch this until about, I don't know, 7.15 last night, that the brothers sent a message first. They didn't even go right away. They sent a messenger ahead. They were so concerned about what Joseph may do. They sent this messenger ahead with this message. And then they came. They approached Joseph. And they approached him with hearts of of repentance and yet fear. And, And what do they do? They fall at his feet. They fall at Joseph's feet and they beg for his forgiveness. They say, we are your servants. And they're left wondering. I really don't know how long Joseph left them in that spot. I mean, in our own minds, we might play that out as a long time. We just leave them wondering, what's the next thing we're going to do? What's going to happen? How will our brother, how will our sister respond? You see, for them, they were wondering, what's Joseph going to do? How's he going to respond? All the thoughts of the life that he's endured are flowing through their minds, right? A life where he had suffered slavery, imprisonment, the threat of death, not only from his brothers, but from a handful of other people along the way. And yet somehow, this brother of theirs has risen to become second in command only to the king of Egypt. And so if we ask this question, what would Joseph do? I think we ask the wrong question. Because we've got to keep reading and we have to see the real question is, what had Joseph done? Moses writes there in that text, if you want to follow along there in 50 verse 17b and following, it said, what had Joseph done? He wept. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. And he said to them, do not fear Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As as for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good, so do not fear. And do not fear even to the point that I will provide for you and your little ones. He comforted them. He spoke kindly to them. How did he get to this point? Well, Joseph understood that it was only according to God's grace, it was only according to God's mercy that he could live in a relationship with this, his heavenly father. 
Joseph knew that there was no merit or worthiness on his part. No action would make possible this loving relationship with the almighty and powerful God. Because throughout all these days that Joseph was living away from his family, he trusted God. He understood the relationship that he shared with the Father. And it was only a gift that was made possible because his own sins were forgiven. You see, as part of the family of God's promise, Joseph lived in faith. He lived in a faith that anticipated the Savior who would come for him and for the world. Blood had been shed as that boy Joseph was thrown into that well. Blood had been shed as he was sold into slavery. And the blood of Jesus would then too be shed so that Joseph could and would be freed to forgive. Joseph had learned the lesson that Jesus intended to teach his disciples in our gospel reading today from Matthew 18. Where Peter came up and he said to him, Lord, how often... How often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Over and over and over and over and over again. Forgiven, living in relationship with God, living as his forgiven child, Joseph was walking this way. He was walking forgiven. And his faith in God, the one who protected him, the one who kept him safe, made it possible for him to walk every day forgiving. Joseph forgave his brothers from his heart. Joseph forgave his brothers even before they became, they came begging for forgiveness. He told them that he had already forgiven them. And because he had already forgiven them, it was possible for them to be in a relationship with him. Does that sound familiar? God's already forgiven us in Jesus Christ. And because of that, guess what? He wants this relationship with him. I mean, you all know well, or you will someday, the difficulty of family relationships. You and I have been the ones that have been sinned against. You and I are the ones who have done the sinning. In God's words of absolution, you hear him speak. And he, in these words of absolution, he answers not the question, what will God do? But rather, he answers the question, what has God done? He says, you are forgiven. He announces, it's done. He assures you of his forgiveness in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And these words of forgiveness are only made possible by the suffering, death, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's only through this that it makes possible for you and I to also forgive. Forgive who? Those who have wronged us. Brother and sister, mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, aunt and uncle, friends and neighbor and whoever else I'm forgetting. It's 
only through Jesus that it's possible for us to forgive those who wrong us, even before they come begging for forgiveness. Because God forgives you for the sake of his son, Jesus, and because according to God's grace and mercy, you live in relationship with him as his forgiven child, it is possible for you and me to also forgive those who sin against us. To forgive those of our family who have wronged us. As a member of God's family, living living forgiven, he makes it possible for us, his family, to live forgiving. I'm going to slow down and I'm going to say that one again. As a member of God's family, living forgiven, he makes it possible for us to live forgiving. Does that mean you forget? Well, forgiving someone doesn't mean you will no longer have memories of those past wrongs done against you. Joseph didn't forget what happened. He he recalled how God used that to bring him closer to the Father. And so as we are forgiving others, we're asking the Father in heaven to free us from the anger, to free us from the resentment that may come with those memories. We're to put them into his hands, his merciful, loving hands, and trust him for healing over time. You see, friends, as followers of Jesus, forgiveness is life. Forgiveness is the life our Lord died to give. And the forgiveness business is our life. Forgiveness is the spirit of Christ living in us and through us. Forgiving is not just what we do, it's but who we are. Because forgiveness is Christ. Forgiveness is Christ being beaten. Forgiveness is Christ carrying his cross. Forgiveness is Christ spreading his arms. Forgiveness is Christ suffering immense pain and shallow breathing. Forgiveness is Christ's last breath. Forgiveness is the empty tomb. And this forgiveness is for you. This forgiveness is for them. This freely given forgiveness is for all that we're freely given to give. As disciples of Jesus, as followers of Christ, it's my prayer that every day we're able to look to Jesus and to learn from Joseph the joy and peace of being forgiven and forgiving others. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.